Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. Hosted by Nick Morowski and Pat Hester. Hey, Sox fans. Welcome back to Good Guys Talk Back. I am Nick Morowski. This is episode 228. This is a fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. We're available absolutely everywhere. Thank you for joining us on our YouTube channel. Try to do this live on Sunday nights. Uh, you can find the audio everywhere you find your podcast. We're on Twitter and all that fun stuff we could talk about later. Don't want to waste your time because we have some big White Sox content to get to. And who is this man next to me? It's not Pat Hester. It is my very good friend, Joey. I think we've known each other well over 15 years, going back to the improv days of Chicago. Joey Christopoulos, welcome to Good Guys Talk Back. Nick, such a pleasure. So happy to be here after a White Sox winner today, filling in for my eternal pick-to-click Pat Hester himself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good Guys Talk Back, fantastic show. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. We're going to have some fun and uh, I don't know if we're going to solve anything about this White Sox team, but they just took two or three out of a team that I personally have picked to win the World Series this year. So not a bad Sunday, Nick. Yeah, Sox are back on Tuesday in New York. Uh, no, we'll we'll get to all that. Joey, uh, if you don't follow Joey, we're going to have a chance to, you know, Joey's going to promote himself towards the end of this. But Joey is an outstanding follow for Chicago Bears content. Uh, you are a lifelong Chicago fan. And, uh, you know, you know, this game, you're, you're, you're kind of watching it from afar, but you've been following the White Sox closely. And, you know, look, they're 40 and 55. I mean, that's the that's the reality of it. That's the black and white of it. They are their record, I think. Sure. Very exciting. They took two or three from Atlanta in Atlanta. But I think the big question is with them starting the weekend, eight games back in the central. And ending the weekend eight games back in the Central just shows you how difficult it is to make up any ground with the start that they had. Um, are, are you back on the White Sox? Do you feel like this is what they needed to maybe springboard into New York playing a weak bets team and then you've got the Twins next weekend? Or is this just too little too late? Well, Nick, I'm a positive guy, so I am going to want to hone in on some positives at some point. But look, the motto so far over the last month for the Chicago White Sox this season has been is if we didn't start seven and 21, we'd be great. Yep. So really, when you start drilling into that, you start thinking about the hole that they've dug themselves and now what they're looking at in terms of the division moving forward. Look, nice weekend, right? I mean, let's let's go into those positives just really quick. What the White Sox have lacked, I feel like all season long outside of Luis Robert is different guys at different times carrying the team for just a couple of days and then passing the baton to somebody else. And who was that this weekend? But Andrew Benatendi, fantastic weekend series, exactly what we needed, ignited the lineup and got us 14 runs over the last two days. You know, it just hasn't happened at the same time. And Luis Robert goes deep, which is great. After the home run derby, we can kind of put that to bed. Is he going to be tired? Jake Berger back in the lineup, two home runs the last two days. So, and Dylan Cease gets the win. Um, look, I think it is too little too late. Um, I want to be optimistic. Look, when we did a preseason pot on my show, we did a total prediction, and I said 86 wins. Uh, it's looking more and more like 86 losses right now. And this is going to be a fascinating next couple of weeks because, Nick, throwing it back to you, they haven't done it all year, but what if they do rip off 7 to 8, 8 to 10 over these next 7 or 10 days, and maybe that – that deficit gets to four or five games, which still doesn't seem likely, but now it seems more achievable. What does this White Sox team do? Yeah, Pat asked me this question last episode, uh, and specifically with regards to Tim Anderson. Like, What if Tim Anderson gets just scorching hot, white hot, uh, a guy that, of course, the way Tim Anderson goes, the White Sox go, what if he is just you know, unbelievable these next 10 to 12 games and the White Sox start, going and trending in a, in a different direction what do you do and honestly I think it would take more than just Tim Anderson to get hot for really everything to change with this White Sox team there's so much that just you shake your head you know from not taking pitches not getting on base not elevating the baseball as Grafol mentioned but then they started to do that on Saturday and especially on Sunday 
you know, I, I can't figure out some of the starting pitching. I, I want to get to Kopech eventually. But honestly, Joey, I think the decision's already made. You know, I, I, I think phone calls have been coming in during the all-star break, uh, namely on guys like Giolito and Lynn and uh, maybe Graveman and, you know, a couple other relievers, uh, Mancata maybe, but I, I don't think anybody's taken on that contract, that money. I, you know, you can, this is what you wrestle with as a Sox fan of, well, w- w- what if they do sweep the Mets and the Twins are, are struggling? Then you go into Minnesota and maybe you're like, what if you're six games back? Then you sweep the Twins. Wait a second. Now we're three. This, this is the stuff we've been dealing with, you know, for a while now. But here, here's where I get hung up. And I was, tell, I was telling some people this over the weekend. I think if Giolito had another year or so on his contract, maybe you have a different story, right? You wouldn't be worrying about, well, are you just going to let Giolito walk for nothing? Because I'm still not convinced they're going to sign Giolito and extend Giolito. They just don't do that. So I, I guess let's start there then. You know, your thoughts on Giolito. A lot of rumors with, with L.A. You know, is a landing spot. Do you see Giolito being moved or do you see unbel- some, some weird situation in White Sox world where they decide that they're going to keep Giolito and maybe move other guys? Well, let's start with Lucas Giolito. He's going through a lot right now, right? Uh, he announced on Instagram that he is um, departing from his marriage amicably, uh, you know, with his wife. We wish them all the best during that time. But I think that just kind of adds a little bit more color into the complicated situation of not just the white, what the White Sox do, but what does Lucas Giolito want and what are they going to do with him? I have, I've had the sense that this fait accompli that they're going to have to move him, even if they get close. He seems like the one player, you know, when we talk about sell off, what version does that look like? I think any version has Lucas Giolito being moved. I think the fact that he's tied to the Los Angeles Dodgers right now, we were texting about this the other day, you know, a mm-hmm. top five, six organization, a team that all of a sudden can push and get to a world series the year before they throw the boat at Shohei Otani. I mean, if they're interested in Lucas Giolito, I think you can get a fantastic haul from them. Something that's high level minor leagues too, as well, that can perhaps help a team because not to get too far into the weeds, but if Lucas Giolito's out, we have Clevenger. We have, what are we going to do with Lance Lynn? We got a lot of holes to fill in the starting rotation. It would be nice to fill one of those holes with a younger arm that the White Sox can possibly build around with a Lucas Giolito trade. So I don't even know. I, I can't see a scenario where they get to a spot where they say that they can't trade him. I think he's the one guy that they absolutely have to move. Do you think the Sox can sell and buy and perhaps still compete in this weak AL Central? Sell Giolito. Buy, you know, maybe, you know, uh, whatever you get from Giolito, maybe you got somebody that you can plug in uh, right away into this, into the starting rotation. It might not be an amazing guy. It could be somebody like Tukey Toussaint, who's like, wait mm-hmm. a second, this, this guy might be able to have something here because it's the AL Central. Uh, you know, maybe they get somebody back that they could plug in in the utility world to help out with all of the different injuries that are happening all over this White Sox roster. As I'm saying it, it makes zero sense to me, but maybe, you know, maybe because it's the central, it's like, I don't think we're going to sign Giolito, but, you know, if we get him off of the roster, unfortunately, because this is the, how we do business, maybe what we get in return. And if a couple guys get healthy, you know, maybe we could still go for it. Is that even possible? Can the Sox do something like that? Well, look, creativity will be key to Rick Hahn keeping his job. So Mm. what you're speaking of right now, I think, is a mandate if they're looking at this from a front office perspective. A full sell-off, right? I I know that the narratives out there is, can we give the keys to Kenny and Rick again to start this thing all over and do a sell-off? Your scenario feels a little bit like, you know, a Chicago Bulls scenario Mm. of, you know, let's move something, get something back, and let's roll the dice with something that we think is a smart, prudent move at the particular time. You know, look, I... I can't think of every single team across the board right now, so let's just keep it in town. Would the Chicago Cubs be interested in giving up Drew Smiley for practically nothing and maybe supplanting that and just moving a guy that can eat some innings, give you a professional start every time? Look, he's been on the downturn. I'm not pl- I'm not saying that he's going to change things, but we're talking about filling a spot if you move on from Lucas Giolito. I will say, though, the other aspect of this, and you mentioned Tim Anderson just very quickly. White Sox fans, be very careful 
the fool's gold of, well, if Tim Anderson starts to do this, right? Let's be honest. It is what it is at this point. Tim Anderson, I looked it up today. He is the 150th hitter in Major League Baseball right now per OPS. There is not another sheet. It goes to sheet six. Tim Anderson at the bottom. Javi Baez in front of him. And Jose Abreu at 138. Just throwing that out there. But (laughs) But I'm just saying... He is 150 right now in OPS. It's like a 520-ish area. Him playing better, what does that mean and what does that look like? Because it better be 330, Tim Anderson. If he's just hitting 280 all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, hey, Tim Anderson's turned it around. I don't think that moves the needle for the Chicago White Sox. And I'm just saying, look, if we're going to play fantasy right now, we're thinking about extracting the most out of a team where the mix isn't good and we're trying to do something. Tim Anderson plus Lucas Giolito gets you a very interesting package from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and, and I think that would be something that both players in the White Sox would be completely open to. They both have deals. One's an expiring Tim Anderson's option, I think, is for $14 million next year. That's nothing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Look, yeah. could the White Sox look into that? I'm just trying to think, you know, bang yeah. for your buck. If we're going to do this thing, packaging those two players together, now you're getting really interesting options back. Yeah, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm playing kind of devil's advocate a little bit after this weekend series. Uh, but if you're going to do it, do it. Just absolutely yeah. get rid of whatever you can get rid of, you know, build up the farm system. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, Han and, and Kenny are in charge of this uh, all over again. Uh, Michael Kopech started the weekend off. Yeah, and it was just a, an atrocious outing. It's a string of several now five starts where he has gone five innings, four and a third, four, four. And on Friday, he went two thirds of an inning. Uh, Kopech was shut down, uh, you know, right before the all-star break. He didn't make, I think just maybe one last start. Grafol said he was grinding, you know, heading into that. Sore. Results, <laughs> which again is the White Sox way. Just like, you know, keep going. We'll figure this out later. Um, you know, it, it's disappointing to me. I, I was such a, I was so excited to see Michael Kopech this season. I talked to you on, you know, on Believe, on the Believe Network of this is the year for Michael Kopech. It absolutely is. We still don't know what we have in Michael Kopech. And now as we talk in late July, I'm more confused than I ever was. He looked completely lost. He could not find the strike zone. He claimed that it was one swing that really uh, KO'd him or TKO'd him on Friday because it was a grand slam off of Olsen's bat. That was the only pitch I think he threw in the zone the entire outing. So, yeah, you know, that was the only time that they were able to swing the bat, and they knocked it out of the ballpark because it was a non-competitive pitch. Everything was flying all over the place. I mean, what do you make of Michael Kopech going forward? That That is troubling. And, and there are a lot of folks that want him out of the bullpen, and I get that. But if you can't throw strikes, what's your value out of the bullpen? You want him out of the bullpen, yet he wasn't ready to pitch the opening game out of second half. I mean, whatever. We could talk preparation at a different time. Um, well, look, so Michael Kopech, right? He had a four-start stretch. What is it? Six, seven weeks ago that was pretty impressive and started to show a little bit of those flashes of, of swing and miss. Um, dominant Michael Kopech that says, hey, when we trade Chris Sale, this could be a crown jewel that we can possibly build around. But here's the story with Michael Kopech. He is now 13-21 and 21 as a career starter. He has more walks this year than he did last year, and he is easily 35 innings short. He's given up 16 stolen bases and 18 home runs. All of these, all that mix right there is bad baseball, right? And I understand that there's growing pains. Look, we've seen it in the White Sox organization before. I think about the years of John Garland getting his head beat around for those couple of years. And then one year, you know, it just started to click and then he was off and running. Is that still possible with Michael Kopech? Absolutely. But man, has it been so frustrating? And I think that he is a guy that we still need to build around. Like when we're looking at this rotation next year, it probably starts with Cease and Kopech. And then you're looking at probably filling it around the edges with, I don't know if there's anyone inside the organization, but you're looking for some bargain basement guys like Kyle, the Kyle Gibsons of the world for next year to fill out your rotation. So I still think he needs to be a part of the mix and hopefully that he works it out. But again, another calling card of the Chicago White Sox starting rotation is a lot of pitches, not a lot of innings. um, And, and just unable to get out of that first inning was just really, really tough to see. And I mean, I, I'll throw it back to you. I mean, what do you think 
they should do with Michael Kopech. I mean, I think they should keep running him out there. But again, the preparation side, Eloy with the growing tightness, him coming out, not really ready to roll, him pitching sore. There's a lot of questions going on, either on the player side, the training side, or the manager side about are we on the same page with this and are we willing to accept the results when we take these kinds of risks? I thought it was very odd to have Michael Kopech come out against the best team in baseball after the break. I thought that was an odd setup, uh, but they went with it and it really looked like he was all kinds of rusty. Steve Stone was not on the call on Friday. Uh, He had the weekend off. Uh, Gordon Beckham was in the booth. Say what you will about Gordon Beckham. It was more of Stone's absence. I I really wanted to hear Stone's perspective on what he Mm. thought was going on with Michael Kopech. And that's what I like so much about Steve Stone. It's unfortunate that his kind of Twitter personality has turned so many people off literally and figuratively. I think he, he provides a lot in terms of the pitcher mindset of what's going on. And I don't know if he would have had any grand analysis inside from throw strikes, but what is it like to be off for that many days? What's the first thing that kind of goes in your repeatable motion? And it looked like he just, he could not, he was almost starting to, you know, just pitch, uh, like trying to, th- trying to concentrate too much on location. And when you do that and you don't trust your mechanics, you're, you're, you're flailing all over the place, which has kind of been a calling card for him. So uh, if he's healthy, you have to keep throwing him out there and you, he needs yeah. to just get better and they need to go over his, his video and cats and, and, and whoever else need to sit down and if he's got a private, if he's got people that he trusts outside of the coaching staff, which I mean is not uncommon in the White Sox world, talk to them. What what are they seeing? Like get other eyes that you trust on what is happening with your mechanics. I know he's a big mental guy getting off the field, you know. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about that too, because look, uh, it doesn't mean much, but the optics of his demeanor on the mound are honestly not my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know what? And I, I don't think Chicago sports fans respond to it. Um, look, it could work for him. It could be the, the path to his success. But I want to get your take on it. We're talk about that mental side a little bit, because it just seems to me that, man, he loses it in sequences. We're not talking about at bats. I mean, two or three pitches, as you mentioned, starts getting a little tight. And all of a sudden the mechanics go. He can't quite rebound the right way. The demeanor never improves. Um, and I, I just don't understand that he's still struggling with the mental side, I think, as much as because we all see the talent. Right. And I think it's more of a mental thing for him at this point in his career, because the results should be there and they're just they're just not showing up. And then they blow up in the worst times. Yeah, it, it's the whole spiraling out of control. And it, it seems like the demeanor is I, I don't know, maybe it, maybe the demeanor is. I'm not throwing strikes or I'm not getting the calls or, you know, or it's, I don't know why this is happening to me. And he's Mm. having that moment on the mound. Like it is really starting to get meta of maybe he's having that situation of I've almost been with this organization for seven years and I have not really put a, a big sample size together. You know, he had a couple, he had those back-to-back starts early this year. That was just like, Wow. I mean, that was unbelievable what he did, but we just got two, you know, we got two starts in a row, you know, and he had a similar situation last season where it was like, okay, we got these, we got these couple that we can kind of build on, but it never really happened. So I'm wondering if it just gets really big and he, his mind goes into some wild places instead of, okay, I can't change what just happened with my last batter or whatever all i have to stay so present the mindfulness of being right here right now i can't think about a couple batters ahead even though i might want to i have to trust sebi or whoever's in the backstop i gotta be right here that is easier said than done i know that stuff that he is working on and it's just getting maybe back to that of here now what do i have to do and trust that I'm a really good pitcher and I have the mechanics. Don't overthink it. Yeah. And there's just a strange look. I, I he, I, we all seen him want to be a tough guy, right? When, when, yeah. the, when the dugout's kind of empty a little bit, I think he's one of the first guys and look, he's a big guy. Right. And, and I can understand how his talent matched with a certain sense of confidence, um, which leads into that demeanor a little bit. 
can either maybe rub some people the wrong way, but that's what he does to get fired up and fueled. But remember his first couple of starts, even he'd be too ramped up, right? Like even when he first got called up from the big leagues too ramped up, there's something going on there where I, I'm not to get armchair about it, but like he's fueling his performance off of maybe too much emotion and not trusting the talents and the skill that he's acquired. If that makes any kind of sense. And look, I, I'll tell a really quick story that in junior high, I was on the varsity basketball team and on the varsity basketball team, they put me at the power forward position. I wasn't tall, but I could box out and I could rebound. And for some reason, I felt like because I was in that position, I had to have this scowl on my face and be this tough guy in there to show other people. I don't know, stay away from me, but I'd grab a rebound and I'd score and I'd run back and I'd be angry and and Nick, man, you know me. Like I'm a happy guy. I love to yeah, smile. Yeah, you're not that. Not, you're, you're not. It that. did. It, it just. It just didn't match. It yeah. didn't match up, right? And I tried to play this role that had nothing to do with me trying to win games and play it the right way. Not trying to equate it to Michael Kopech, but if we're going to get psychological about sure. it, some sometimes, man, like I mean, just you're playing the game that you love. Take a deep breath, relax, and pump a 97 mile an hour fastball across the paint and get back in the count a little bit. And yeah. the way that it unspools for him, I can tell that he wants it really bad. Maybe people his whole life have been telling him that you are talented, you are an ace, you are a stud. And as you mentioned so eloquently, the fact that he's not seeing the results maybe pisses him off a little bit. And you have to try and overcome that, right? And this game is humbling, right? We just talked about Tim Anderson. This game is incredibly humbling. And if you bring that kind of respect and trust your talent, I don't know. I think we could see better results from Michael Kopech. Just my two cents. Yeah, th th those are good points, um, and it seems like he found those places in the offseason. He found those good places to go, the healthy balance of getting away from the game, and and, and I hope he gets back to, back to that. I hope it's just a quick, you know, tweak, and, and we could try to get him, you know, on the tracks, and, and uh, all eyes will be on his next start. The guy that came in uh, out of the bullpen to clean up the mess and it really it has been impressive in a White Sox uniform. Tuki Toussaint, you had mentioned who might be in the rota rotation 2024. I think you might see Tuki Toussaint in the rotation uh, next year, believe it or not. Um, and a lot of probably believe it nots from, from folks listening to this. But, it you know, you can't stop what's what's coming. And he kind of has the stuff. You know, it hasn't it's not a huge sample size, uh, but I liked what I saw. And. He's going to get a start, I think, in New York. So that'll be interesting. I did, too. And I think that speaks to the unfortunate situation that the White Sox are in. And when I say that, it's that, you know, we talked on multiple pods over the years about this window, this beautiful window of competing and, and then ascending to becoming one of the elite teams, not just in Major League Baseball, but a World Series contender. I think we're seeing the, the, the sand in that hourglass dwindling. There may be a couple of grains left in that. And when you talk about a guy like Toussaint, this is something that organizations like the White Sox have to do. Give a guy some run and find out. Find out. Run him out as a starter. Because guess what? If he doesn't work as a starter, you can find different roles for guys. And guys often go off and excel in those particular roles. And I think that's a situation that the White Sox are going to have to be in. I mean, when you look at the UFAs in free agent pitchers next year, I'm just going to throw up a couple of names just really quick. I looked this up. Because I just think they're going to have to replace a lot of holes. And maybe yeah. Tucson's one of these guys. But just off the quick, uh, Julio Urias, White Sox aren't buying him. Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Nola, Sonny Gray, Blake Snell, Frankie Montes, Kyle Gibson, and Jack Flaherty, um, who hasn't had a lot of success in St. Louis recently, um, but obviously still has the talent, almost like a Kopech. Now, there's a couple of buy lows in there for me that I can wrap my head around that honestly probably provide more upside than a Mike Clevenger on and off the field. So there is a world where I think that they can do some of that, but I think you're making a great point about guys like Tucson. Let's find out. Let's find out. Throw them out there for some innings, see if they can do it a little bit, and, and see if they can build some confidence and maybe give ourselves some answers heading into the offseason with I think we're going to have a lot of holes still on this White Sox roster, maybe more than we have now. Depending on you know what happens in the next two weeks before the trade deadline, uh, you know you might see a lot of Toussaint this year. You know moving forward, and Jesse yes. Schultons, and you know, and and the in the in the good in the positive sense of it, I guess if you can make a positive, is the front office will see okay. 
I think we've got something here in Toussaint and, uh, you know, we might be able to to put him in in the rotation. Yeah, and he's the next Romy goes Romy Gonzalez. Oh my <laughs> gosh, who is like, build who, him who, up who, like that? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you look at the line of like you know Danny Mendick to to Lurie Garcia <laughs> to Romy Gonzalez oh to. And meanwhile, uh, our our second baseman was playing shortstop the whole time. I'm sorry, I'm never going to get <laughs> off of that. We should just move him to second base. Anytime. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's uh so let's go from Kopech, who was you know in that package for sale, and let's go to Mancata. Mancata started a rehab stint in Charlotte this past weekend, suffering from that lower back situation that just sounds uh, crippling, really. Uh, you know, anytime you've got a lower back situation, you're trying to play third base and swing from the right side and the left side. It doesn't it doesn't sound like he was able to do much of that while playing in a White Sox uniform for, for quite some time this year. And then they finally decided, yeah, it's time to to shut him down. I still don't know what I have with Yohan Mankata. Again, like Kopech, we've seen flashes. We've seen moments. I mean, we've even seen probably uh, most of the season way back when from Mankata, but not at all what we expected. While his counterpart, Jake Berger, has the Sox aren't losing right now because of Jake Berger's defense, which was the big issue, you know, like, well, we can't trust Jake Berger. He's going to just, you know, boot the ball everywhere. Sox aren't 15 games under 500 because of Berger's defense. Uh, it's impressive what he's been able to do with the bat Berger at 21 home runs. Now he's hit 21 home runs before Tim Anderson has left the ballpark once uh, this year. Here's a guy that, wasn't even on the ball club out of Glendale, Arizona. Uh, an unreal story. Joey, I am convinced that when Mankata is healthy, and he might be healthy soon in the next few weeks or so, he's going to go right back into third base, and he's going to be hitting fifth or sixth in the lineup. And Berger is going to be shuffled around to maybe first base, maybe to DH. Here's a bizarre, strange – this isn't – I'm not trying to like say I want this, but – with how hot Burger is, do you sell off Burger and say, mm. we are a Yohan Mankata family and we'll always be a Yohan Mankata family. We have invested too much money. We'll give you Jake Burger because I don't know if we know what to do with him when Mankata comes back. Or is that just ridiculous because you don't give away a bat like that? But will he get the consistent playing time? Well, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. I'm I'm curious what you would fetch from Jake Berger. Um, you, you know, you're thinking of some like you know light hitting outfits, like you know what do the New York Yankees do? I don't think they would mind having him either at third base or at DH. I know Donaldson's back, but look, I don't think Donaldson's a, a great answer there for them at third. I'm not I'm not wagging my finger at it at all. I mean, I I think where you're at though personally is because Yon Makata is completely untradeable. Um, you can't get anything for him. If anything, maybe, I mean, I'm not even sold that if they brought him back, they can build his value up. I think it's almost like if he set out the rest of the season into the off season in the winter, maybe you could get something for him. And I think this also speaks to something that, look, I understand that it's a tough business and it's his first year, but this is something where I think Pedro Grafal probably airs on the, you know, in the wrong way when he should probably be going with your suggestion where, I think Pedro Gafal is going to go, well, you know, Yoel Makata's done it before, just like he's done with TA, and he deserves to be in the lineup, and he deserves to get the at-bats, and he's going to pay some sort of weird public respect to a player who, unfortunately, is unavailable on the field and mixed at best when he is on the field and someone that honestly tries, I mean, he tries to just play in bubble wrap the entire time. Um, if he was, you know, I think for Pedro Gafal, if you wanted to really, you know, put down some roots in this organization – I would not guarantee anything to Yohan Makata when he came back, to be honest with you. I mean, Jake Berger is one of only two White Sox players in the lineup right now with an OPS over 800 with, I believe, at 809. I mean, the guy has hit 13 home runs at third base. He's hitting 289 as a DH. We have 1,000 DHs, so you got to fit him in there somehow. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm in agreement with you, even though I disagree with what I think the outcome is going to be, that I think they're going to let Makata get some run. And, you know, maybe he'll be one for 14 and Jake will just go back to the bench and, and we'll see what happens. But I don't know what to do with Mankata anymore, man. It's it's sad. It just hasn't worked out right. And I think a, a departure of some kind is in the best interest of the White Sox. I just don't think you have any value for him right now. So maybe yeah. Berger's the guy and that's what you're yeah. forced to do. 
Yeah, I uh, I, I wonder if Griffol, you know, I think he would want to do that and play Berger. I think Griffol has shown me moments uh, since he was hired of, you know, it, it, we're win now. You know, we've got to attack today. And, you know, these games matter, April and May. But I think he's also getting a message from above him of, no, you're going to play Mankata. And mm. no, you're going to hit TA second, even though maybe he doesn't want to hit Tim Anderson second. You know, maybe his hand is forced. And, and I'm just trying to create some sort of theory of why a, a baseball, a lifer, okay, he's never managed before, but he's been around the game forever. He's got one heck of a resume, albeit with a lot of it was with the Kansas City Royals. Why you keep hitting a guy like Tim Anderson second? And for, for many weeks, you continue to hit him first. And you deny that. And he's going to come around. He's going to come is that on him or do you think maybe Joey that's Rick Hahn and others saying, no, these are, this, this is the lineup that you should be putting out. This is where we want to see these guys. Uh, you have wiggle room over here a little bit, but no, no, no. We want these guys to be showcased over here. I mean, it's the easiest path, right? No bumps on the apple cart. If you just play it the way that Pedro Gafal is playing it. And look, you know, we've all interviewed for jobs before. And you know, when our boss, we try and align with our boss as best as we can. And when they do hire you, you know, you want to not to be pun intended, but play ball. And, you know, it, this is all going back a little bit to almost like a reverse, you know, this is almost a knee jerk reaction from Rick Hahn, right? Where I get to hire my guy. Not only do I just get to hire my guy, but I'm going to have a little input too, as well of how the lineup is constructed. And, and look, I look, we've seen these players. We fell in love with these players. We've been mad at all these players and now we're just frustrated. And now we maybe just, Think that there's time for a change so we've been there right so for me tim anderson needs to understand that as much as he's made an all-star team and he's made a field of dreams montage we're in the business of winning right and i'm pedro yeah. gafal i'm a new manager here i'm trying to figure this out do what's best for the ball club and i need to move you down in the lineup and it's my decision and mine alone and if it doesn't work you can blame me and i think that's the decision the opportunity i should just say that Pedro Gafal has had this year. And so far in areas, he's passed on it, right? I mean, he's passed on moving TA down in the lineup. And when we're talking about this Mankata situation, I think he's going to err on the side of organizational caution and, and go out there and say, well, he's done it before. He's established himself. Look, Yohan's got all the talent in the world. And what's his favorite line? He's only in a bad way. He's only a pitch away. Yep. He's only a swing away. You know, And I, I think that's trying to... A little bit of keep his job, stay in good standing with the organization. I mean, maybe they're having conversations where some of these guys might not be around for the long haul. So Pedro's just going to pay them the respect um, and just keep managing the team. And 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 in my opinion, that's a loser's mentality because that basically means you're kicking away the season if you do things like that. Um, keeping T.A. in the two-hole for as long as he did out of respect, in theory, is also not putting your team in the best chance to climb out of this hole that they're in. And that's not respecting the season. So. I just think that's where he's coming from, but I don't agree with it. Yeah, they're in such an interesting situation because, you know, if you're in win now and it's like, look, we, we're, we're still going to try. We're still going to absolutely um, decide our fate in this in this AL Central. We can do it. And we look at the schedule and, OK, we've got, you know, the Mets and then the, the Twins. And then we come back to face the Cubs. You know, this is doable here you'd think you'd be putting in that best lineup that what is the, you know, looking at some numbers, talking to the smart people that he has surrounded himself with that he trusts what is going to, and then we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, but right now, and I'm sorry, just, you know, putting a TA in that number two spot over and over uh, it, it's been, it's been absolutely maddening, but uh, there is so and, many. And real quick and real quick, Ben Intendi in the leadoff spot, a move that was not made opening day. He switched and put him in the leadoff spot. It has worked. Yes. Yeah. Are, are you no. upset with a guy like uh, Ben Attendi for getting the money that he has gotten and, and, you know, the lack of power and, you know, how, what, what right does this guy get this kind of contract? This is our big, biggest contract in all franchise history or is it more of a well the Sox should have had larger contracts for a longer period of time and this shouldn't have been that big of an issue money wise this guy's a good ball player I mean the bar was low in left field um 
And, you know, I, I haven't been, I haven't been disappointed with how Ben Attendee has played. Sure. There's some, you know, situations every now and then, but the guy gets on base. I know you're not paying him $75 million just for singles and, you know, to, but there's something about him that sparks the top of the lineup that I've liked. Solid baseball player. I honestly, I, I look, we could argue whether it's going rate or not for 75 million. And when you contrast it with the biggest contract given in the White Sox organization, that says a lot more about other things than Andrew Benatendi. But if this guy is going to be your leadoff hitter for, let's just say at least the next couple of years, and he's going to give you 280, 295, maybe give you 25 ish doubles, whatever on the home runs. You don't need home runs from the leadoff position necessarily. I'm cool with it. And you know what? We need more solid baseball players on this White Sox team. I think it's something that's been lacking the last couple of years. So I'm cool with it. If you want to play the sliding doors game of the White Sox had an opportunity to go out there and get Kyle Schwarber for 90 million a couple of years ago, we can have that conversation. Now, would that mix look great with Aloy and where we are with Grandal and the Jake Berger situation? You know, maybe not. He would be a more impactful baseball player. If you're looking for home runs, OBP, and some runs driven in, Kyle Schwarber would have been your guy for only $15 million more. The White Sox did not make that decision. They're with Benintendi. I'm not upset about it at all. I mean, will it look great in year four or five? You know, I'm not sure. But, you know, we grew up in the 90s where leadoff hitting meant something. And a guy that can get on base and just square up the baseball uh, means something. He's a left-handed bat. Not a lot of those out there in Major League Baseball. I'm actually pretty cool with it. Yeah, I... You know, I've actually I've liked the way Ben Attendee has handled himself and some of the results he's gotten. Yeah, sure. We all want more home runs. Wanted wanted more home runs from a lot of these guys. I didn't think Jake Berger was going to be right up there uh, with <laughs> Luis Robert Jr. Um, but from what Ben Attendee has done, I, again, like he's not the reason why we're there's a lot of different reasons. I don't think you can put it on one person. Um, so going forward. Where are you at as a fan? You followed this team for you know all of your life, like I have, and so many other folks that are, are have been with us uh, throughout this podcast for many many years. You know, living and dying with this team, frustrated over the decisions, frustrated over the lack of success. It's a bad division, and the Sox are a bad team right now. And 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 maybe you know what this is what it is from this team. We we, we really just have to say. They're not going to turn it around. Exciting weekend. Yeah, we could do some stuff against the Mets. Do you want them to just to see a division championship, Joey, and just say, why not? Just go for the division, even though you're not going to do anything beyond the division. You don't have enough depth. Or do you say, you know what? Look, I'm sorry. Even though I would like to see that, I think it's smart. We just we stack up the farm system and we play for another year. Well, so in general... I am not a trade everyone for prospects guy, right? Uh, these guys, we don't know if they turn out or not. And you're trading proven commodities for something that you don't know what you're going to get. And then you're always going to have to replace that proven commodity with an actual something that is a part of a trade. You know what I mean? When you trade Chris sale, you do have to then get an ACE somewhere in there along the road. Thankful for Dylan Cease. Look, man, it's, it's, it's a really, really, really frustrating time to be a White Sox fan. I totally understand. I, I'm on more on the board of I think there are players on this team that I think that you can you can say the word build around. I, I would say more move forward with um, personally. But again, it's going to take money. Uh, do the White Sox, are they interested in that? And I'm not even saying top shelf because it's almost like silly of me. It's silly for me to even contemplate them going top shelf buying. But, you know, they are going to have to spend a lot of money to kind of make up these mistakes. And I would like to see at the very least, you can take some of the prospects that you get this year and then you can trade them in the winter for someone who is substantial. That happens all the time. They're not just people that are going to someday be on your major league roster. These are also assets and chess pieces that can get yourself a little bit better in the near future. They got some bad money, right? Like the Grandal thing has been bad. Lance Lynn thing has been bad. But, you know, I, I'm curious to hear what you think. I'm kind of looking at, if they did a full sell-off, I'm thinking Giolito. I think the Reds would love to have a guy like Lance Lynn, and I'd love to talk to the Cincinnati Reds about their farm system right now, or maybe mm -hmm. even those Baltimore yeah. Orioles. Yeah, 
Um, you know, look, his numbers aren't great, but he's striking out guys. And I think there's some, there's enough nerds out there that'll be like, I think we can take something and get something out of Lance Lynn. Then you're looking at guys like Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman. I mean, White Sox fans, let's be honest. These are not guys who are going to be on the next World Series White Sox team. You can do something now to help yourself for tomorrow. I don't think you can trade a lawyer right now, not after groin tightness. Um, you know what I mean? I don't, I think I would look into Tim Anderson, but I don't think Tim Anderson is long for this organization. Basically is what I'm saying is look at the guys who, when you say to yourself in three years, White Sox fan, man, I'm damn proud to have this team on the field. We're going for it. We're going to win the division. Maybe we got a shot at making some noise in the postseason. Who are those guys right now? And for me, it's Dylan Cease, Luis Robert, Andrew Vaughn, Andrew Benatendi. I'll put Jake Berger in there. I will. I'll put Jake Berger in there. And then maybe it stops for me. Am I missing anybody? The, I'm the building around Jake Berger. That's where we're at. That's where we're at right now. Zach Remillar. <laughs> should we build around him? Maybe a little bit. He'll, he's willing to get hit by a pitch. <laughs> and he can bunt. Bring it and on, boy. He can bunt with the best oh, of them. Um, boy. I had uh, a James Fox on the Lockdown White Sox podcast last week, who does an outstanding job with future Sox and and you know what what's going on with the draft and the farm system and and he had an interesting point that he brought up and I know he brought it up on another podcast as well uh Sacks in the basement of you're you're not going to sign Cease down the road he's a Boris client why not why not extend Giolito and get rid of Dylan Cease that's mm. where you're going to get maybe your bigger uh, score and then you kind of take it from there i mean anything I'm, I'm, open, I'm, could... I'm open to all avenues. I, I took Cease off the list because he's four and three right now. And he's averaging only 5.1 innings per start. And this is yeah, not, he's, this he's is not Cy, from his, it's yeah. not Cy Young Cease. Yep. And if you're playing yeah. the market, I mean, Dylan Cease is, is the Chris sale, right? When you're getting somebody back, you're getting top five prospects, multiple from an organization. Are you fetching that kind of return right now for Dylan Cease? Um, I kind of doubt that a little bit. So if you want to tell me in the wintertime, we look into something like that when everyone kind of just starts to take a step back. Scott Boris gets his portfolio of how awesome Dylan Cease is, sends it out to teams a little bit, and we get some return that can actually really help this team in the short term. I'm all for it. I just don't know the way that he's pitched this year. It's been a frust- I mean, God, it's been a frustrating year. Dylan Cease didn't even show up this year. I mean, look, he's been... He's been Dylan Cease at times, but again, a lot of the things have plagued him. Even in today's start, when you're up 6-1 at one point, they take him out after 99 pitches in the fifth inning. That is typically when a star stud pitcher gives you that seven or eight strong to give the bullpen a little breather, um, and he was unable to do it. So some of those things that were holding Dylan Cease back have crept back into his game this year, and it just makes me doubt whether the opportunity is right to strike. That's all with Dylan Cease. I'm open to it, though. Yeah, I think you listen on everybody, but you have to, you know, really make sure you're getting um, whatever you can and then some in return. And again, we can go with the whole, do we trust Han and, and Kenny? But I don't think we have a choice in that. I have followed this team, especially over the last couple of years, like my life has depended on it. I have hung on every single inning. I have read every single article I can get my hands on. I am a lifelong uh, Chicago White Sox fan. I follow the Bears, I follow the Hawks, I follow the Bulls, but I am one, two, three, White Sox. So I I, I say this and it it pains me to say it. I want the Sox, whatever it's going to take to get Han fired and maybe Kenny Williams fired, even though I think Kenny Williams will always be with the White Sox organization as long as Jerry Reinsdorf is around. Can you kick him further upstairs? Can he (laughs) go further upstairs? It's the old Seinfeld episode where that that guy in the fatigues, you know, got bumped (laughs) from the mailroom all the way up to like copy editor. Like, like, just get him off this floor. Let's get him somewhere out of my view. I want whatever is going to happen to get Han gone. Just get him gone. Where Reinsdorf's mm-hmm. like, I can't. I can't stomach that. I don't even know if that's possible, but whatever that is, I want it to be that bad where Han is gone. I, I have no faith in Han. He has ruined this whole thing. You know, he sold off, which it's easy, in my opinion, to sell off your assets and he got stuff back. But putting things back together um, and it just the way he talks about it, I, I, I can't stomach it. I absolutely can't stomach him anymore. So whatever it's going to take to get him gone, that's that's what I want. 
I don't think he knows what to do anymore. When we're talking about speaking to the to the public and 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 some of the honestly the cheeky chestiness that he had, um, you know, when things were going mm. good and heading into this season specifically about how preparation and the fundamentals and the drills and spring training from Pedro Gafal were going to change everything around, um, and then they stumble the way that they do out of the gate. I mean, it's been a face plant season for his tenure as a White Sox general manager. And I'm with you. Keep in mind also White Sox fans, if he goes, that means Pedro goes. Most sorry, likely, yeah. You don't you don't yeah. care you don't carry this over. You don't Chicago Bears this thing where you bring some other guy in to have the man you don't do any of that. You start with a clean slate, give the general manager whatever he wants. I know we're running short on time. I do want to ask yeah. you though, let's end on a high note, Nick. Yeah. So in your opinion, you just said you know you're bleeding every day for this team watching every single pitch, every single inning. Let's just play it out. The White Sox get back into this. What does that specifically look like to you? I mean, is it we're going to bash our way in? Is it this rotation starts turning over gem after gem? What what does it look like? And are there specific players that you think, you know, can actually galvanize, jumpstart this team? And if, as I mentioned before, if they're going to rip off nine out of 11 in the next two weeks to stave off a sell-off, like, what does that look like to you? You got to get on base. You have to have more plate discipline. It's the game within the game within the game. You know, you you saw what Atlanta did this past weekend, especially on Friday. You know, they did not chase. They let Kopech come to them, you know, and then they attacked on mistakes. They did that against Lance Lynn. Good teams hit mistakes. They're very patient. They're very purposeful. They know what they're looking for and they know what to do with it. And I just feel like that needs to not just happen in a series, but that needs to be, we're doing this consistently, um, you know, and we're doing it well for a sustainable amount of time, you know, seeing pitches, getting on base, and then being able to execute with guys in scoring position. You need more guys in scoring position more often. Um, And, you know, it can't be just Luis Robert Jr. You know, you've got to have other guys elevating the baseball uh, and I got to have more than just Giolito uh, being able to go six or seven innings. You know, the, the Sox yep. are a team that always this year were built to win on the margins almost. It's why they've been in so many close games and they've lost those one run games. They need to find wins, ways to win those those games that, that are on the margin, you know, and that takes everything that takes putting it all together for you know, what, two, three weeks. So if the Sox are like, look, I think we're going to make a run at this, then you absolutely have to keep Giolito. I think you have to somehow. He's the best, maybe best starter right now. Maybe That's you're fine. not going to extend him because they're not going to do contract talks in season, but you're like, we are not, you know what? Nothing that you're offering Cincinnati or LA. No, because we're going to, we're going to hold on to this guy for several years. We're going to go for it. Um, yeah. and, it, and if you, if you get rid of Giolito though, I think that's a, that's a clear sign. And, and then you'll see other pieces going. Um, and that's just, that has, that's probably, those are internal conversations that have probably been had. I, I don't know if anything they do between now and the trade deadline changes that, right? Like if you've got mm-hmm. a plan in the war room and you're like, this is our plan when the deadline hits or going forward. Cause you're ready. You're ready receiving those calls that happened all all-star break weekend. I, I don't think like a sweep of the Mets and two out of three from the twins and you split with the Cubs in that two game. I don't think that changes anything. I think the decisions already have been made. Hate to say it, but I totally agree with you. And yeah, what are you going to say? Like I, for me, it was just the on-base thing is huge because mine was just going to be, they're just gonna have to bash their way out of this one. You know, if you got Ben Benintendi going at the top, Luis Robert in the middle, Jake Berger on the back end, you get a couple of guys to get on base a little bit more and hit some two, three-run home runs. Um, you can't see yourself maybe go on a little bit of a heater. It was nice to see Andrews on base a couple of times today. Gavin Sheets has given us nothing this year. Yasmani Grandal has given us nothing this year. Um, and Aloy can't be counted on, can't be trusted. How does a guy <laughs> take three days off and have groin tightness? What yeah, is trying, that? trying to leg out a double play of all things. Uh, that's the thing. It's like he's DH, but he's still getting hurt while DHing. Um, it, it's just a, a sad Ugh. state of affairs. But Joey, an absolute pleasure 
talking White Sox baseball with you. Joey Christopoulos, you are a talented, talented man, and uh, thank you for giving us time here. Uh, you're the man. Good guys talk back. Yep. Longtime listener, sometimes guest. So great to be yep. back on with you guys, filling in for the eternal pick-to-click Pat Hester himself. Yep. We're hoping Pat's on assignment somewhere. Maybe he'll be back next weekend. I sure hope so. Um, He's in the war room. He's in the White Sox war room right now. He's submitting (laughs) trades. He's calling around right now. He's once again doubling down on you know, on Mankata somehow, some way. It's like, preseason for the fourth I, year in a row. Yoan Mankata is my team MVP. <laughs> I said Aloy was going to go to an All Star game and be in the home run derby. I got the wrong White Sox. Oh. I was off by fourteen jersey numbers. That's it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, you've got a ton going on. You are. Yeah. You're in my mind. You're Mr. Chicago Bears. And what? There's a lot of excitement. I feel like all of the. Uh, White Sox energy, the baseball energy is going to just shift very soon to Chicago Bears. So where can we find your stuff and everything that you are doing? Nick, thank you so much for having me on. As you see at the bottom there, you can follow me at Joey Sports Guy on Twitter, on threads, uh, Instagram, wherever. Um, super excited. Training camp just a week or two away. I'm going to start firing it up. We're doing an episode this week. I host Believe in Bears with former Bears defensive end and Brett Favre killer himself, Corey Wooten. Uh, we're going to be covering we're going to be covering all the Bears action. I've got Mike North coming on to my show tomorrow. Talk a little Bears, talk a little White Sox, too, as well. So make sure you check that out. Uh, you can check us out at Sports Talk Chicago. Now the presenting YouTube presenting sponsor uh, for Believe in Bears and Bet on Chicago. A lot of great things coming up. I'm going to be doing some things with the Big Ten this year, too, as well. Uh, I got something with the Northwestern Wildcats that I'm super excited about their football. Wait, I'm getting a good. OK, wait, uh, Northwestern Wildcats. Um not great going on there right now but i'm going to be hosting a show for them um, oh man what a week to take a vacation nick yeah uh but yeah man thank you so much for having me on um i love chicago sports i love the chicago white Sox. i love chicago uh great to be on man and thank you so much for uh, having me you got it joey joey and i have known each other for for a long time so i do appreciate uh you know this is we we talk and try to share just input and text throughout the off season during the season but uh this has been great i'm telling you folks uh, as soon as also Chicago Bears season starts, do it now. Follow Joey Christopoulos at Joey Sports Guy. Joey, always a pleasure, buddy. And uh, folks, thank you so very much uh, for tuning in. When you're watching us on the YouTube channel on Sunday nights live, you can go to our YouTube channel, subscribe. You can get all the previous episodes and the audio absolutely everywhere you find your podcast. We're on Twitter at Good Guys TV. Got a Facebook fan page. For Pat Hester, who's off doubling down on Yohan Mankata. For Joey Christopoulos, I am Nick Borowski. Until next time, go Sox.